Hi, I'm Mark Molesley, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. And I hope you've all had a great week. I've had my booster this week. I'm feeling great. Another man who's had his boosters, Rob Laurel. How are you feeling, Rob? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm still here. I'm keeping going. Uh, yeah, d- a, a different vaccine this time, and it and, and it definitely it definitely got to me a little bit for a few days. But uh, we march on and uh, feel just that little bit more protected. And Dickie, uh, hello again for joining. How are you? I'm um, good morning. I'm. I sound probably sound a little bit croaky. Um, I've been testing regularly. It is just a cold. Um, boosted you this week. Um, but enough about my vaccine state. We talk about some football. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on and, and talk the dreaded COVID in a bit because obviously games have been affected. In the FA Trophy, there weren't that many games affected, really. A lot of them did go ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll cover those off now. And then we'll look at some of the North and South Results as well later on. So we're going to start off and look at some of the cup sets and the shocks that took place in the trophy. Rob? Yeah, well, I was going to try and round it up with my own words, but why bother when the NLP have wrapped it up superbly on the front page? Let's quote directly from our friends at Non-League Paper Towers. Uh, Dave Richardson, it is. Step four, Plymouth Parkway led a day of shocks in the build-based FA Trophy third round with victory over Dulwich Hamlet. The National League South High Flyers were beaten on penalties by Southern League Division One Southside, who had already dumped out Step Two Hampton and Richmond in the previous round. Uh, sorry, Tom, but you did ask us to mention Plymouth Parkway, so we had to mention Hampton as well. <laughs> Needham Market upset National League Wildstone two-one with uh, Callum Sturgis and Luke Ingram, while Stourbridge stunned AFC Telford. And Dickie will tell us more about. His pain on that one shortly. Elsewhere, Tunbridge Angels of the National League South knocked out Gary Johnson's Torquay United, while Lark Hall Athletic, the lowest-ranked team left in the competition, progressed past fellow Step 4 side AFC Tottenham. There was a fair few shocks, boys. Um, and, Torquay and, and one stands out there for me. It does, doesn't it? And it only got mentioned in passing. But, uh, yeah, you would have thought they'd have had enough there. I mean... When you arrive at Tunbridge Angels, you really realise just how much they are kind of punching, yeah, to be at the level that they're at, with all due respect to them. And it's a fantastic achievement, really, um, under, uh, is it Steve McKim? Yeah. Um, that's got to be one of the biggest results in their history. And they had a little bit of history, didn't they, in playoffs in FA Cup a couple of years back. But uh, that's huge, wasn't it? And uh, Gary Johnson have been... Uh, having to refer to that old chestnut, concentrating on the league after that one. Yeah, one result you mentioned there, Rob, was uh, one that will have left a stour taste in the mouth, Dickie? Yeah, a little bit. It was, uh, uh, you spoke there about me uh, getting to talk about my pain. I think it's, it's <laughs> beginning to sound like therapy, me talking about Telford United every week. But uh, yeah, they lost 3-2 at Stourbridge yesterday. Um I think the notable thing about this one is they managed to uh, pluck a defeat from the jaws of victory, leading in the 88th minute um, through goals through Theo Street and Brendan Daniels, his first um, start for a year for Telford, which was a big boost for them. Um, but yeah, they conceded uh, an 88th minute equaliser to Montel Gibson, somebody who'd been on their radar a bit earlier in the season, and then conceded a winner to Reese Stoich in the second minute of four minutes of injury time, just when everybody was preparing for penalties. 
from one end to the other from uh, a Telford free kick. And it left Paul Carden basically just ruining the fact that it, he said he, he felt there was enough experience and, and the players in the team knew uh, had enough about them, you know, to, to see a game out in those circumstances. And, and he's learned that they hadn't. Um, and he, he's just once again stressed the need that, that there's going to have to be recruitment at Telford soon. Yeah, is he realising the job that he's got on his hands now, Dickie? I don't think he was un, under any illusions when he'd taken it, but I don't think, I, I think what he's seen in the, in the first sort of three matches, he's, he's, um, he's taken charge. There was an FA Trophy win away at Felixstowe, which probably didn't prove an awful lot against the Step 4 team. Um, but he spoke about the, the defeat against, Kidding, against Kettering or the draw with Kettering Town last week, said, you know, for the Kettering second goal, we had a throw in where we had four defenders who all had the backs to the ball. It, it, it's concentration, it's people doing their jobs. And, and you know, I, it's just not happening at the moment. And he's got to either instill that in them um, or find the players who can and can do that. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a tough first half of the season for them. And Rob, what uh, what other results stood out for you? Well, there were some big wins for some of the boys. Eastley got themselves back on track, didn't they, with a 5-0 win against uh, Enfield. Jake Hesketh got a hat-trick. And a couple of the big boys, Stockport and uh, Wrexham, got the job done. Wrexham with a 5-0 uh, uh, victory. Uh, and Stockport beating uh, Grimsby 4-0 really stands out. Grimsby on a really, really wretched run now. And uh, I know Paul Hurst was bemoaning, uh, you know, lack of players available and stuff as well. But uh, nevertheless, um, Stockport County may be just starting to go through the, the gears. I must mention Will Collar. He scored twice last weekend, but the first of those was in his own net and he made up for it two minutes later. Uh, and would you believe in this game, he scored twice again and got them both in the right end this time. Uh, and a goal for a rare goal, actually, for a friend of the podcast, Ryan Crowsdale as well. Uh, Ash Palmer netting uh, to seal the win as well there. And uh, you're just one shot on target for Grimsby. And uh, they really are, you know, sinking fast, aren't they now in, 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 in all competitions? And Chris caught up with Dave Challoner after the game to get his thoughts. Now, looking down from the press box, that looked pretty comfortable. How did it look for, for you down here? Yeah, it, it was comfortable. Um, good, really good things, things that we've worked on in training, which when it happened on a Saturday is, is really rewarding. Um, little little bit critical, um, and it's a tiny criticism for the last sort of 15, 20 minutes. We've spoken about controlling games. I really thought we could have... We could have kicked on and challenged ourselves a little bit more, but I get why why we didn't. Um, and again, that's the, the, the grumpy part of me. And if I'm doing that after a 4-0 win, then it, it suggests we're in a pretty good place. And it was two of your, your central mid, midfielders as well who, who produced the first couple of goals as well. You must be happy with their performance. Absolutely. Um, again, if people were picking first goal scorers, probably wouldn't have suggested those those two or either of those two. Um, but the first goal comes from a really good press. We, we pinch the ball in a good area and rewards us with a good chance. Um, and then, obviously, Crosby gets his goal, Will goes and gets another two set pieces for us, which is really pleasing because we worked on them during the, during the week. Um, and I say a, a good day all round, no injuries, I, I believe, following it. Um, and I say a good workout and some 90 minutes for lads who, who definitely need it. Now, the FA Trophy, you've been to Wembley before, you know, you know what it's like. Uh, how seriously are you taking this competition? 
we want to win it. Um, how serious we take it will depend on circumstances within our squad. Certainly, if where we are now, um, if we were asked if we could ra- rather win one competition and it was the National League of the FA Trophy, we'd absolutely pick the National League. But I think they can run alongside each other if we get to a point and we don't know what's happening in the current environment we get to a point where we do have to prioritise then we'll do so at the moment we don't so we'll try and win every game uh, our next game was obviously this one um, we've won that and if we look at it in I suppose how the competition pans out we're four wins away from the Wembley final um, I could tell you now and all the players will say the same <clears throat> I'd love to have the opportunity to go back there so we'll do everything we can to make that happen Now you're over a month into your time here now How's it been? How would you how have you found it? Are you, are you pleased with the start? Yeah, pleased with the start. I, I think we'll still get better. Um, the welcome I've had has been, been brilliant. It's been, um, like I say, it's been amazing in terms of the work we've been able to do. The the players buy-in, if you like, in terms of how, how we want to go about things. Um, this is a talented squad. Um, probably a little bit... A bit, a little bit lopsided in terms of um, or unbalanced in terms of positions we have, and we need to, we need to correct that. Um, but there's, there's a little bit of optimism come back. There's absolute backing if we require it from the, from the owners in terms of where we want to get to, and there's a clear, a clear vision and a clear plan of where the, where the football club needs needs to go. Um, and hopefully, we've set it on a. Uh, set on a little bit of a journey we can continue that and towards the back end of the season have some have some real um, excitement and that was Dave Challoner and it's interesting Paul Hurst um, mentions about lack of players I mean you heard from Dickie there that they've got Montel Gibson he's out on loan is, is there a shout to say if you have a couple of players out on loan to maybe recall them that could be their big chance couldn't it yeah you might have thought so you know if 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 lack of options is is the thing I think Gibson's um, actually, that that's not possible now. I think he actually had his contract terminated by mutual consent in November, so I think he's actually fully established player now. So, um, but he, you know, they might look at that and see that he's been scoring goals for them, and 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 Rue, um, perhaps that they've allowed that to happen. But it is a decision they that, that's made and and gone and moved on from now. I think that's something like nine defeats in their last ten for Grimsby, which is an absolutely wretched run. Not what you want to be going into the busy Christmas period off the back of when, you know, there'll be some um, local derbies. I would think, I can't think of Grimsby you've got over the Christmas period, but those games aren't likely to be any less intense. Um, And Paul Hurst got a big job on his hands there. I wanted to um, talk about a cracking game between two National League sides in uh, the FA Trophy third round. Two sides that are going to meet again twice more, a trilogy uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks, and that's Barnet and Boreham Wood. Um, they're separated only by a few miles down the A1 as well. A good relationship between the managers, Luke Garrard and uh, Dean Brennan. Well, round one went to Boreham Wood, but only just. Both sides going toe-to-toe, the game swinging. Uh, to all it was for long periods, but big shout out to Tyrone Marsh. He got his first ever professional hat trick yesterday for Boreham Wood and they got the job done late on. Barnett had a couple of players sent off. Um, I watched Luke Garrard's uh, post-match. I haven't seen Dean Brennan's yet, but Garrard was very complimentary. First of all, to the game, not so complimentary to the ref. And sometimes it has a bit more credence, doesn't it? When the winning manager says how poor the referee was. Um, one of the red cards probably shouldn't have been and uh, 
um, you know, it, uh, it it just gets the mouth watering, I guess, for those involved with Barnet Bournemouth and living in that area for the couple of games coming up on Boxing Day and the day after New Year's Day. But uh, and, and 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 Garrard paid testimony to just what a completely different outfit Barnet are under Dean Brennan now to what they were a couple of months ago. Uh, and they might have more to say in that trilogy, Barnet, because they'll be they'll be licking their wounds after that one. Uh, but Boreham would go marching on in the FA Trophy much as they do in the National League. Yeah, there was a, a few games as well where there was potential banana skins that didn't happen in the end. I'm looking at FC filed against Solihull. Solihull managed to squeak through in that one by a goal to nil. Dartford won 3-1 at Cray. And uh, also there was a, a couple of games that Weymouth won 1-0 away at Hungerford and York won 1-0 away at Matlock. And also... Uh, the game you were at, Rob, as well, Kingstonian, they gave Aldershot a bit of a scare as well, didn't they? Oh, 100% they did. Full credit to Kingstonian and any of their supporters that might listen to this podcast this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel for Dickie right now, the run that Telford are on. I can really relate to it because it, it was going on for a very long time with Aldershot this season, defeat after defeat, and sometimes defeat from the jaws of victory, which is what happened to Telford yesterday. Um and something happened yesterday that, that very rarely has happened. If I'm really honest, um, all the shot were bright enough, but didn't create that much. And uh, I didn't really have any qualms when Kingstonian went ahead. They're cohesive. They're well-organised. They've got good players, you know, the right players in the right positions. And technically, they were very good. They were executing their game plan superbly. They took the lead in the first half. Uh, Ajakai. Uh, about seven minutes before halftime, and they missed a, a key, key chance to double it just before halftime. I think if they'd have done so, they probably would have progressed yesterday. But a bizarre six or seven minutes relatively early in the second half where, um, to be quite frank, Kingstonian shot themselves in the foot. Uh, both goals attempted clearances. One was just hit straight against Jacob Berkeley-Ajipong and flew into the net. Well done to him for, for the pressing. Um, and then uh, the skipper, Cooper, under some pressure from Alfie Whitting and just inside his area, relatively straightforward clearance over his head or out to the touchline. And he somehow managed to toe-end it past his keeper for a spectacular own goal, what turns out to be the winning goal for all the shot. And uh, it shows you, Dickie, you know what it feels like when you're down there, nothing goes for you. And then when you get some momentum, like all the shot have got the minute, that's five wins out of six now, unbeaten as well. Um, you know, suddenly things like that happen and you don't play at your best and the result's almost gift wrapped and given to you. I've got to say, very rare it happens for all the shot and uh, I feel for Kingstonian, but we'll take it. And it's great to see the shots in the uh, fourth round draw on Monday. No, I think I think you're right, Rob. I think, you know, I, I spoke to Paul Carden after the game yesterday and, and yeah, he spoke similarly about that, that, you know, when things aren't going your way, then literally nothing seems to go your way and 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 he said the only thing that's going to get you out of it is just everybody sticking together and everybody working hard um and you know there, there's going to be a few clubs in that situation Telford got an absolutely huge uh game on Tuesday night against Geisley one of the teams who, who they're actually within striking distance of in terms of points at the bottom of the table both teams really struggling for form so you know it's it what four days before Christmas and we're talking about a six-pointer, but that's genuinely how it looks. It's interesting as well you say that about 
a mad few minutes. You see it so many times, don't you, when teams lower down play really, really well against like a National League club, whether it's a North or the National League in general. And and they just have that mad five minutes where they can see the goal, the heads go a little bit, and that just shows the the difference in, in quality and class maybe where if you're a National League side, you maybe concede and you just kind of sort yourselves out and go again, where sometimes it can fester with a lower league team, can't it? Oh, yeah. And, and, and whilst it's not an exact uh, sort of tie in or simile with what you've just said, what you what you have just said has, has, has prompted me to talk about another game yesterday where where, where Dorking Wanderers from the National League South uh, threatened for so long, actually, to uh, to win at South End. I think they went there quite bullish. I heard manager Mark White's pre-match yesterday and he was travelling with his Dorking Wanderers side, very confident to South End United. They scored the first goal, Alfie. Rutherford is in great form at the minute, put them ahead. They've had other opportunities. Um, it, it was one all at the break, but quite how Dorking weren't ahead at that point, we don't know. Both sides missed penalties in that. Uh, Reese Murphy uh, missed one for, for Southend, but somehow Southend who got level with Sam Dalby just before the break and got a winning goal, a stunning second half goal from substitute Matt Dennis, which was enough in the end to to get them across the line, but uh, he's on loan from uh, Norwich City, I think. Um, uh, a brilliant a brilliant game, that one, and, uh, uh, you know, a much-needed win, I guess, for um, Kevin Maher and, and, and Southend that will help their confidence for the battle that lies ahead for them in the National League. It's funny we mentioned about Southend's woes last week. I mean, a trophy run might not be a bad thing for them. You know, maybe a trip to Wembley and, and have that in the sights as well and have that as a goal as well as trying to stay in the National League. Uh, in these crazy times, I think in any times, to be quite honest with you, whether you're flying high at the top of the league or you're right down the bottom fighting relegation, you do want that run, you know, uh, no matter what the level, no matter what the team in their build up over the last week. I'm sure a lot of the managers would have put up pictures of Wembley and said, look, this is realistic. It's, you know, they'll have pointed out some of the teams that have done it. I mean, all the shots opponents yesterday, Kingstonian, rich history, twice winners of the uh, of the FA Trophy, it can be done. It's, you know, when the little clubs play in the FA Cup, they they sniff that bit of giant killing. They wonder if they'll progress two, three, four rounds or whatever, but they know they're not going to win it. In this competition, you know, sides in the top two, three levels, they have a realistic chance to win it. And uh, uh, one of those teams, three-time winners, Woking, went to uh, Yeovil yesterday. Um, and and led that game against form, recent form. Yeovil on a storming run, 10 games unbeaten, I think, um, and Woking uh, on a wretched, wretched run. Uh, and they led for a large part of the game, Tavern Campbell on target again. Um, but they threw it all away late on. And, and, and at one point, it looked like it's heading for penalties, but Yeovil scored twice more late on. And they progressed. And Woking's run now is 12 losses in 16 competitions, which is not the form that they'd want to take into the uh, the Surrey-Hampshire derby, the 15-mile-apart derby over Boxing Day and, and the day after New Year's Day against Aldershot. Dickie, a couple of other uh, results that caught me. As I mentioned, York, really good win away at Matlock. I've seen Matlock this year and, and they're going well in the, the Northern Premier Division, but they're also a really physical, tough side as well. And, and that's the kind of side that that York have struggled against. It's very tight ground as well. In the middle of the town centre, there's a, an opening where the cricket pitches at the other end. And uh, 
John Ask will be delighted to get through that one. And also we'll get on to another interesting one as well. It was spending more way at Radcliffe and we'll tell you why that's so interesting very shortly. But first York, Dickie. Yeah, I mean, that is, it's a very important result for York. That that will perhaps have demonstrated to, to John Askey that is there's certainly, uh, you know, he's seen more capable of that kind of result. I mean, ultimately, it was going out of the FA Cup to similar opposition in Buxton um, on their own ground that did for the previous manager, Steve Watson, ultimately in the end. So you looked at that tie and it, and it had upset written all over it. But yeah, York came through and they left it really, really late as well. It was a it was a, a, a late goal from Mark Beck that, that took them through. I think they were probably, uh, anybody there was probably thinking it was going to penalties at, at the point that happened. Um, but yeah, it left them absolutely no chance to come back and, and York progress. Yeah, and Spennymore won 1-0 at Radcliffe. Interesting for a number of reasons that interesting in that way. Um, Spennymore appointed a new managerial team this week. Now we mentioned last week that we tried to get Jason Ainsley on and he was in he was stuck in some some business he, he had to attend to. And that business was that he announced uh, Anthony Johnson and Bernard Marley as managers. Their first game in charge was at Radcliffe, which ironically is a town where they live. So there's a lot of subplots in this. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jason was literally, you know, the business he spoke of, he was literally at the ground for the signing announcement with all the photographs being taken uh, of Johnson and Morley in the dressing room with a, with a more scarf and shirt and everything laid out in front of them. Um, it's an intriguing appointment. You know, I think everywhere that, that Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley go, they're likely to attract attention just because of the personalities they are and the profile that they've enjoyed. Um it, it, it looks from the outside, it, it, t- it took a few of us by surprise because I think we were surprised that they would they would venture outside of the Northwest. I think your quote, Dickie, was, they won't go for Bernard and Jono. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I looked at that and thought about the travelling. But, you know, we, we've I know we've had a little bit of a conversation um, off air about this and, and potentially, and we're hoping to speak to somebody from Spennymore about the appointment, you know, uh, maybe if we can get away with Jason at some point. I think it might be the potential for Spennymore to go full time eventually. That might be the might have been the carrot there. It is something that Spennymore have spoken about. If you look at the top of the National League North table, which we're going to do very shortly, um, that the, the full time teams are dominating there, and and you just think that if Spennymore, having been close on a number of occasions, that that the board might have thought to itself, look, if we need to progress here. Full times the direction we need to go in. I'm sure that would appeal to Johnson and Morley, and it might be that's the thing that's got them there. Yeah, it's a one nil win for them eventually away at Radcliffe, and I know another result you want to touch on. Dicky was was Wrexham five Gloucester nil, which isn't a shock in itself, but uh, Gloucester was short of players, and, and manager Lee Mansell had to register himself in the end, didn't he? Yeah, Gloucester actually shared a photograph of um, the piece of paper that Lee Mansell was going to be signing um, to to show that he he was registering, which basically said he wasn't going to be accepting any money for it. No bonuses, no uh, salary, no expenses, nothing. He's basically on the staff, but they were just adding him to their list of of playing options because that they have so few at the moment. Um, obviously, it didn't go well for them yesterday. A 5-0 defeat at Wrexham is perhaps not unexpected. Um, but based on where they are in the league, it's, yeah, let's bring out the old cliche again about they need to concentrate on that, uh, you know, for, for this season. 
quickly then, uh, obviously COVID's rearing its head. We're having a, a couple of National League games called off during the week. Uh, FA Trophy games did go ahead, but does that does that um, COVID sort of problem line on the horizon? And it's interesting that the EFL have come out this week to say how many players have been vaccinated. 75%, I think they said, have, have had both vaccinations and a lot are going for the boosters. Uh, the National League, I have asked for clarification. We're hopefully going to get that off them over the coming week. But it's, um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, you can see why, because obviously teams that train together, there's a lot of interaction there. But the football and football players need to help themselves, maybe, you know, in terms of goal celebrations. It is an emotional game, but if you're all like together, and things like that, and, and high fiving, you're probably spreading it. And there, there are like, obviously the uh, you can use the um, the sanitizers there. Do the players use them enough? It's things like that. Is is it maybe football needs to look at themselves as well a bit because it does seem to be the worst sort of place at the minute for COVID. I I, I think but, perhaps it possibly does. I mean, it. it I mean, the, the, this whole thing had me rewinding the clock um, twelve months, really. Um, I, I thought about the, the, the celebrations that were filmed in the Chorley dressing room when they beat Derby County in the FA Cup third round. Um, and they got a lot of criticism from the outside for the fact that the players were arm in arm. Um, there was no social distancing going on. Um, they were all crammed into a tight dressing room. And, 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 and we spoke about the poor example that was being given. Um, I think we've subsequently learned this week that obviously, you know, photographs of um, members of or, or, or staff of certain political parties, um, socially, not socially distancing and having parties and everything is sort of, you know, I think football has become a very easy target because football was something that did continue um, and, and you know, people were sort of like looking at them and, and, and expecting better of them. Um, I, I suppose all I would say is it's perhaps not necessarily down to footballers to be the people who set the tone for the way the country behaves. Although, you know, we have the England national team and, you know, the way they conducted themselves in the summer and the things they've done around um, racism and calling that kind of stuff out. So footballers do enjoy a position of influence, you know, even at non-league level. So, Yes, perhaps so. Um, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, you said, you know, there were some games called off yesterday. Guiseley, uh, a National League North team, their game against Chesterfield um, didn't go ahead. Chesterfield forfeited that one because they've got COVID concerns. Um, yeah, and who knows? There might be more of that going on by the time we reach the next round. Maidenhead as well. Uh, second outbreak recently, but... The whole thing's a, a, a massive, confusing mess right now. Let's, let's be very clear to the listeners. There'll be some far better experts about this than, than, than us three. We don't propose to be, you know, we're very keen followers of National League football. Uh, and that is a strong area for us. But across the world, across the country, in all, in all forms, there, there's a massive confusion out there. There's confusion coming from the leadership. There's credibility issues with the leadership um, and football is one of those areas it's it's in the window isn't it and, and that's why it's an, they say it's an easy target the big question I keep asking people nobody seems to have an answer why so many games at a higher level getting called off and relatively so few you know was it 31 FA trophy ties went ahead out of 33 or 29 out of 31 um, and virtually the whole of League Two wiped out um, six, four out of six premiership matches off. 
um, it's a sorry mess right now. And, and people don't know whether to step back to some kind of guidelines they had during the first or the second phase um, of, 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 um, of lockdown, not lockdown, sorry, but measures in place. Um, it, it's really, really frustrating. We had the similar thing yesterday, you know, slightly new guidelines coming through, not even that long before kickoff or passed on that long before kickoff yesterday. We didn't know if we had to go back into a room with masks, social distance for the post-match or whether we could do it outside. It's a huge mess and uh, I'm really, really frustrated by it. Um, and uh, I, I, from in my own little area that I'm involved with, here we are again a week before a potentially money spinning big crowd, a, a derby between Aldershot and Woking. You know, will that end up being played behind closed doors again for the third consecutive time or called off? Um, you know, so no, it's, it's a real source of frustration. You're just waiting day by day for the next little twist in this plot that goes on and on. And there you go, boys, ran over. What I will say is we are... Uh... We, are, we kind of know a lot more than we did this time last year. We've also got the vaccines, haven't we? I know Chris Whitty said that it's, it's kind of this vibe, this this new variant is 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 kind of it's going to go away as quick as it's is it's rising really. So it's kind of maybe do you buckle up, take a a little circuit break maybe in in Jan after the Christmas fixtures, just maybe take stock for a couple of weeks. Um, but then the other caveat is we spoke to Mark archives last a uh, couple of weeks ago about the funding. Um, if you do have to play behind closed doors for two or three weeks, the, the extra funding is there now, isn't it, for clubs to survive? So there are a couple of options there, aren't there? There are, but I don't think they should go back to playing behind closed doors. I mean, what have we got now? We know a lot more yeah. about it. You know, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, a fair argument, you know, vaccinated or unvaccinated, boosted or not boosted, allowed in, not allowed in. That's, that's the contentious area, to be fair. But for sure, for everything we, we know so far, we should still be able to have fans in, even if there are some restrictions around that. But sooner or later, you have to hope that this new, highly transmissible, but not as dangerous variant, um, you know, prompts somebody to be brave enough to say, let's get on with life now. You know, if it's proved, if it's substantiated that the, the symptoms of the newer version that the, 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 the coronavirus has, has mutated to is a lot less harmful and it ends up being in the system all year round like the cold. Oh, I just look forward to the day that we just say, let's crack on with life now. This is where we need Jonathan Van Tam, isn't it? <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, uh, when we talk about National League football, but we're not experts. Um, and, you know, who knows about National League football, but is also somebody who's very well versed in the, uh, in, in, you know, Omicron and Delta and variants. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we renew our calls for him. We've tried a few times. Professor Van Tam, if you'd like to come on and discuss this with us, please do. If listeners, if any of you know him or connected to him, get in touch, give him a nudge. I reckon he'd love to come on. And Dickie would stop going on about it. I mean, Dickie could, <laughs> he could retire. He'd be happy in his work. So there's a couple of uh, all nationally North eyes that caught your eyes well in the trophy, wasn't there? Yeah, there were. Um, I think uh, there was. Uh, I think the game that you were actually scheduled to be at Bradford Park Avenue against Halifax Town that was postponed due to fog. So um, yeah. Tell but me about it. The- I got off the tra- as I got off the train. He's like, it's been called off. I'm thinking, not another COVID. And he went, nope, fog. 
you couldn't make it up, could you? Uh, no, it, it wouldn't have been what I would have predicted. But you know, I say, having been to Bradford Park Avenue a fair number of times, I can quite easily see how that, that venue would could be fog affected. Um, is it's fairly high up. Um, yeah, there was a couple of other uh, all National League North toys in there. Kers and Ashton uh, hosted Alfreton Town and went down three one at home. So uh, I think. You know, it's not gone entirely according to plan for Adam Lakeland since he took over at Curzon Ashton. Um, it looked like he was going to yesterday. They were actually leading 1-0 going into the final 10 minutes of the game. But Alfredton scored three late on in the game. I think there were goals there from Connor Branson, Bailey Hobson, the man we've spoken about again. And I think a, a Yusuf Usise goal as well. And they ended up running out 3-1 winners when 10 minutes earlier it looked like they were going to be exiting the competition. Um, there was a, a slightly more one-sided or, or comprehensive result um, between Boston United and Kidderminster Harriers as well. They played one another in the league last week and Kidderminster got a 2-1 win at the Jenkins Community Stadium, but Boston turned the tables on them yesterday and how. Uh, 4-1, two goals for Danny Elliott there, one for Jake Wright Jr., um, and a goal for Jordan Preston there as well. Um, a, a reply uh, from White for Kidderminster, but that wasn't enough for them. They've got the FA Cup to look forward to after Christmas, so it, they may not be too downhearted about exiting the trophy. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of National League North sides progressing there. Adam Lakeland's uh, the guy who's replaced Adam Lakeland, who was his assistant, Neil Ross. It's not gone well for him at Farsley either, has it? No, it hasn't gone particularly well. Um, they exited the competition 3-0 yesterday um, on their own turf uh, against Southport, who, you know, we, we I think we, we certainly touched on Southport in recent weeks and the tremendous run that they've been on. Um, their, their, their league form has been spectacular. They've, they've leapt up into the playoff places off the back of you know, a run of something like seven or eight victories in their last nine or ten matches. Um and I suppose as the form book looks, um, that wasn't necessarily a surprise yesterday. I think Neil Ross as well. He, I think he was the manager of Farsley's under-23 side. And I think he might have promoted a few players from that team into the first team um, yesterday. Um, uh, there was certainly some suggestions that it was a fairly youthful Farsley Celtic side. So he's, he's making some changes there. Um, the league's got to be their priority, I have to say. But, you know, it's that thing of, I know my, from my own feelings yesterday, as much as the league has to be Telford's priority, you do look and go, look, even just being involved in one of the competition going into the new year does fill you with a little bit more optimism that there might be something to look forward to rather than a slog in getting away from the foot of the table. But that's the way it is for most of us. Yeah, talking of league, let's look at the, the National League North. Now, there was two league fixtures, wasn't there, uh, in that division yesterday? And a significant result at the top of the table. Yeah, there was. Uh, the, the way the fixtures fell, um, I think it was a rearranged fixture, ultimately meant that um, Rackley Town went to uh, Gateshead yesterday um, trying to protect their uh, their tremendous uh, unbeaten record away from home. Well, it's finally gone. Um, they were defeated 2 0. Uh, by Mike Williamson's side yesterday. Um, uh, Gates, uh, the Brackley have been the masters of, of picking up game uh, points on the road, particularly clean sheets, but they've come up against the Gates side who are in really, really excellent form at the moment. And, and I, I don't think 
it was necessarily that big a surprise uh, to see Gateshead uh, claiming all three points. Um, Owen Bailey and Paul Blackett, it was um, two goals in the first 20 minutes of the, of the game um, to, to, to put them in command of that one. And then obviously they've seen it through to full time without conceding themselves. That was Brackley's only only Brackley's second defeat of the season. Uh, five straight wins for Gateshead now as well. Uh, they're sneaking up a little bit unannounced, aren't they, as well? They've kind of just snuck up to third, haven't they? Um Mike Williamson's side are going very, very well at the moment. They, they, you know, they are still full time. I'm not necessarily sure about the depth in the Gateshead squad, but they, they play a good style of football as well. It, it's, it's very good to watch. I think they demonstrated that in the, in their TV game against Charlton Athletic in the FA Cup a couple of weeks ago. In that, you know, I think people would have been impressed by the style of football that Mike Williamson's got them playing. Um, and it's not just the style they're delivering on the substance as well. And I think they've got an awful lot to look forward to in 2022. Two games in hand as well, and the teams above them. And, and like you mentioned earlier, Dickie, uh, three out of four teams in the top four are full time. Yeah, they are. And, and you know, it's, it's looking to, it, it's proving to be the advantage, which you'd always kind of suspect it, it would be. You know, I think there's about four or five full time teams in National League North now. I think Gloucester are one of them uh, and York City. And they're obviously two of the ones that aren't doing quite so well. But with three of the other four spots <clears throat> being filled by the full-time teams, you've got to say it gives, you know, a big advantage. Um, I know Brackley have still got a game in hand. Actually, no, Brackley don't have a game in hand and filed anymore. They've played an equal number of games. They've held on to top spot. But, you know, from what was looking like uh, a one-horse race and then there's a two-horse race... I think it's potentially, you know, Brackley could easily, uh, or Gates said, sorry, could easily uh, ruin the party for either of the two teams that are at the top at the moment. Yeah, and the other game was a thumping win for Kettering away at Leamington. Yes, it was a bit of a surprise, this one, um, given that Kettering's recent form hasn't been uh, fantastic. Um, I think Leamington... I'm not sure, but I think they're still missing their very influential skipper, Jack Edwards. I think an awful lot of the way they play and an awful lot of... Um, uh, he draws an awful lot of the focus in games for Leamington. Uh, he's absent, uh, and he was clearly a big miss yesterday, as I believe was the case. Uh, Kettering with a 4-0 win, which, which certainly was an unexpected result, but a very welcome one for Paul Cox's team. Yeah, moving on and looking at the National League South, and we've got yet another. We talk about the North, Dickie, and some of the gaps in the North. We've got uh, it's very, very tight in the National League South. We've got a brand new leader now, Ebbsfleet. They went top. They took advantage of one of their games in hand by beating Bath three goals to nil. Two goals from Elliot Remain and Dominic Polion with the other. And it's it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, well, I went through it last week with Ian Herring, and it's really tight in that you. You go down 10 points and you've got Concord are only nine points behind Ebbsfleet in 14th. That's just, it's just crazy. I mean, a couple of wins and you're in the playoffs, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, Dartford have been top for a long time, um, but they have hit a bit of an unpredictable spell of form recently. They've managed to hang on to that top spot, but the number of times that we've seen a new team, you know, emerge into the in second place, um, it was Oxford City. Um, we've spoken about Ebbsfleet in that position. We were speaking about St Albans and the games they had in hand. It is a really tight, um, uh, but 
uh, tight, but at the same time open? Can that be the case? But uh, I think that's, that's anyone's game. It's tight, it. but it's anyone's game, isn't it? Yes, it is. I don't. I don't think there's necessarily one side in that division which is looking to be the the outstanding team at the moment. Um, and you know, and that that's great for for the followers of that division because you know it means that there's 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 always some intrigue there. You know, that the teams that are just a little bit off the pace at the moment, but you know they're not still not that too far away from it. You know, you're going into 2022 thinking we put a run of, of good results together that can easily be us in a playoff position and yeah it's um it, things are up for grabs in the south yeah something i know you lo- love to point out dickies about teams that haven't had a draw bath they're one of those they've played 17 not had a draw yet they've won six lost 11 yes yeah i mean i do kind of look out for that one you know the, these kind of all or nothing teams as i would say and yeah it, it was a nothing day for bath city yesterday with that result, I mean, <clears throat> it's funny. I, I think we've spoken about Woking in the in the National League themselves being very similar, and and I suppose we've got that that they've run into that difficulty of um, when you either win or lose, and then go on a run where you know you're not picking up any points at all. Um, I'm sure they'd probably happily trade some of those for for draws to, to at least just be maintaining, you know, uh, an unbeaten run or or, or just that feeling that, you know, we are still capable of picking up points here and there, even if you're not getting maximum returns. I think it's sometimes the teams that can that can do that and just keep going. And, and, and even when they're playing at their worst, still be picking up point a point here and a point there with draws that, that ultimately come through. Um, because it doesn't affect players' confidence the way that, that, that getting on a losing run does. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned St Albans are in trophy action, but again, they've got up to three games in hand on Oxford City as well. So watch out for them over the coming weeks, especially with the inform. Sean, Jeff is down at the bottom. I mean, we, we spoke about it just before we came on air, Dickie, as well. It was a, a game that both sides would have wanted to win an Essex star between Billerick and Chelmsford. Ultimately, they cancelled each other out. Yes, they did. Yeah, um, a, a goalless draw between those two. And, um, you know, they're both in need of maximum points um, and neither got well, uh, neither got that yesterday. They have to settle for just a point apiece. Um, it doesn't sound like there was an awful lot of entertainment for the crowd either, you know, no goals there. Um, and, you know, that's maybe the way it is when you're at the bottom of the table. The one plus point you give for Chelmsford is it's two unbeaten now, it's a clean sheet and they've moved four points clear of Billa Ricky now. So, that does that little cushion for them. Uh, I suppose that's the one crumb of comfort they take from that. Yes, yeah, you would think so. You know, it's uh, you, you do have to look for the positives when you're in the situation that teams that are towards the bottom of the table are. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, keeping clean sheets, even if you're not winning games, is something to build on. And, uh, and I think, you know, that Chelmsford are giving themselves something to build on there, potentially Chelmsford, sorry. You talk about a lack of entertainment at Billericay Chelmsford. It was still entertaining between Hemel and Chippenham and certainly a, a, an eventful day for Danny Griffiths. He got the opener on the stroke of half time for Chippenham, then saw red on the hour mark. Uh, Helmer said also lost a man of their own. It was Josh Nembard. He got two yellow cards before Alefi Santos got a second goal for Chippenham. So an interesting day if you go into the home of roundabouts. Yeah, it certainly looked that way. I've just I've literally got the match report for this one open from the in the non-league paper at the moment. 
uh, says in, in a game that hardly be described as dirty. Uh, referee Richie Watkins was busy with his card, showing six yellows and two reds. So it sounded like it was a slightly uh, fractious affair. But yeah, um, Hemel Hempston have, have, have improved. You know, they, they had a really poor start to the season. They they have got better, but, but Chippenham Town um, coming away with a deserved victory yesterday by the sound of things. Yeah, Chippenham move up into 10th spot, but they have played the most games of everyone in the division. So they're at a slight disadvantage in that well look after yourselves everyone we'll see you all next week and have a very very merry christmas <laughs>